Hey, Jay. Hey, Joe. I feel like doing some exploring. Oh, that sounds like fun. Let's hit the road, see where we end up. This is Exploring the North Shore with Joe and Jay. Hello, Jay. How you doing? I'm doing good. Well, we're cruising 61. Joe here. We've already had a wonderful experience. If you want to check that, uh, go to episode one because we uh had an awesome time starting in Duluth and moved up on the scenic drive, had some candy, <laughs> uh, which we have a nice stash to keep us fueled should we need it. We can probably live off of this for like a month. I am pretty if, sure uh, episode two is just going to be Joe's candy high. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I seem a bit off in this episode. Uh, if he starts talking really fast, it's because he has had a lot of hot air in the past like five minutes. <laughs> I told you to cut me off. <laughs> okay, it is in the back seat now, so you don't hear him crunching through this entire episode. But I let him eat it through two harbors. But now we have passed two harbors, and we are continuing up on our North Shore road trip. And now we're outside two harbors. We are on Highway 61 heading towards, well, really there's not a major town. Once you pass two harbors, that's it. You're done mm -hmm. with major towns on the North Shore. But we have a lot of small towns. Mm -hmm. So we're heading towards Beaver Bay right now. Um, and uh, I've noticed as we were leaving two harbors, you know, nice kind of municipal type campground there on the on the lakeside. And we've now beyond that and we're, you know, coming up on, on some kind of a pie establishment, it looks like. <laughs> yeah, Betty's Pies. So world famous Betty's Pies. I can actually give you some history about this one. It's, it used to be just this little tiny shack. I think it was like an eight foot by 10 foot shack. And I remember Betty's Pies back when it was just that, when we first moved up here, my family did. This little place that has just exploded into this huge restaurant. Everybody knows if you travel the North Shore, you know that the name Betty's Pies. Whether you've been there or not, you know it. And I feel like everybody who drives up thinks, ooh, we got to stop there. Mostly because it's always really busy. It's often like packed. The parking lot is looks like a outside of a Minnesota Vikings <laughs> playoff game or something. We drive carefully in this part. So we're coming, it's actually right here on our left. We're mm -hmm. just coming up to it right now. Drive carefully when we drive past here because people are turning in and out constantly. Yep. It was originally a, a fish selling business. So it was a fish shack. Yeah. Literally, Betty's Pies was a fish shack. And then in 1956, Betty herself added like donuts and hamburgers and hot dogs to the smoked fish offerings. Hmm. And she started selling her now famous pies and it just kind of exploded from there. She handmade every pie until she sold the business in 1984 and then she passed off her secrets of her pies to the new owners. After the retirement, the future of the restaurant was kind of unknown. In fact, it almost ceased to exist until the new owners did come along. Eventually they tore down the old shack and they built the large restaurant that you see today. In fact, if you come here, the old shack used to be where the garbage cans are now, the, the yeah. big garbage dumpster. So if you see that, you can picture this tiny little building and then look at the building that's there now and wonder how the heck they pulled that off because there's a lot of people who want to come here and there was no place to put anyone. And they had the access. They got the original recipes to yep. the pies. Yes. And, and Betty herself has kind of come in and out, I believe, during her retirement to kind of help help out with some things mm -hmm. so that's kind of a quick brief history of betty's pies we are not going to stop it's in the rear view now as a matter of fact yep because it's just a little too busy we don't have the time it, it's a place you're going to want to give yourself 
probably at least half an hour before you can get be seated on a nice busy weekend. And we just don't have that time. So. And I probably don't need any more sugar at this <laughs> exact moment in my life. Well, they do have a full menu, but they do. coming up here now, right after Betty's Pies, we are coming up to the Silver Creek Cliff Tunnel. This is the first of two tunnels we are going to encounter that both have kind of a cool history and a reason why they're there. So the Silver Creek Cliff Tunnel, that's a mouthful. The Silver Creek Cliff Tunnel is a 1,344 foot tunnel and it was built in the early 90s. And it was built because Highway 61 was initially constructed really, really close to the lakes and it's cliffs here. And you know what cliffs along lakes like to do every now and then. Like erode and erode. fall away. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so for many years, people were driving on basically a crumbling road that okay. was being held up very precariously by things like wooden beams. Okay. And as traffic started coming out more and more, and as semi-trucks started driving up more and more, the road just got worse and worse and worse until they finally decided they needed to move the road. So their choices were up and over the cliffs or through them. A little fact about me as I see the tunnels like now approaching. <laughs> I hold my breath when we go through these tunnels. Jay, don't judge me or <laughs> just don't even ask, I guess. Uh, All right, well, you better superstition. take that deep breath. Here we go. Well, while Joe's not, I'm gonna slow way down. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this was the, you know, first tunnel. Actually, this was the second tunnel that was built and Joe's starting to turn red. This is great. Okay, I'll, I'll speed up, Joe. I won't make you pass out during the podcast. Uh, I remember as a kid, and we're through. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I remember as a kid, they were. it was under construction when mm. we first moved up here. So we would be stopped for a lot of time for the blasting. So what yeah, is wow. usually a 30-minute drive between Silver Bay and Two Harbors would often be an hour because mm -hmm. you, you had to sit there. And they were always worried that when they blasted something, it would cause the road that you were supposed to be driving on to crumble into the lake. That never happened, but wow. it was those dramatic tales being told around town of what is happening over All there. All in the name of progress, Jay. All in the name of progress. And now the old Highway 61 road is the um, Gitchigumi bike trail. Yeah. So there you go. Nice. We now have a beautiful bike trail and a beautiful tunnel to drive through. All because of poor initial highway planning. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think in the 19, I think it was the 20s when they built this road, they expected that many people to be driving in the, actually it was the 1930s. Hmm. So in the 1930s, I don't think they expected this many people to be coming up to the North Shore. And I don't think they could have imagined the amount of semi-truck traffic that would someday exist in the world. So yeah, not poor sure. planning, just progress caught up with them yeah exactly the beauty <laughs> of the north shore eventually caught up to itself yep all right so this this next one we're going to be coming up to in a couple of minutes here is the lafayette bluff tunnel this one is 840 feet so not nearly as long um i won't make you almost pass it'll be harder for me to almost make you pass out on this one because yep. it's shorter even I if i barely goes. got through the last one Jay. help uh, me out here this was the first one built on the North Shore, and it is named after a steamer called the Lafayette, which sank in the infamous Matafa storm that happened in 1905 in November, which is something we're actually gonna to touch on in a little bit in our, one of our next destinations. But there was this huge storm and it sank a bunch of ships. The Lafayette was one that sank right here off this bluff. So it has now been known as the Lafayette Bluff. So the tunnel hence has become known as the Lafayette Bluff tunnel 
So it was built somewhere in the very early 90s. I, I haven't been able to find an exact date. I believe it's either like 1990, 1991, somewhere in there. It was built when my family got up here in 1992, so. Okay, well, I'm gonna uh, check out once again temporarily and I'll see you on the other side. I wanna like poke you right now or something, like try to make you laugh. I won't do it. So Joe, I'm gonna ask this question now and then when we get to the end, you can answer it. What do you do when you are holding your breath through the tunnels? And we're through. Uh, so I make a wish, of course. Uh, I can't tell you what the wish is because then it won't come true. The same wish every time or a different one? Uh, varying degrees of the same wish. Oh. Well. <laughs> Intriguing. Okay. Well, my dad yeah. has this thing where he likes to roll down the window and yell out of it because the sound ricochets around oh, the sure. tunnel. So if you ever are driving through and you hear somebody screaming. That'd be fun to be in the car with your dad when he's screaming and I'm holding my breath. <laughs> the people passing us would just be <laughs> terrified, probably. You're never allowed to hang out with my dad. Okay. I can't wait to hang out with your dad. <laughs> no. All right. So the next thing we are coming up to is the community of, not the town of, the community of Castle Danger, which is the coolest named community on the North Shore, in my opinion, and I think most others. Um, but it is an unincorporated community of two harbors. The actual population is like 30, Okay. but there's lots of seasonal vacation homes in the area. It was originally a lumber camp, and it was also settled by Norwegian fishermen. Yeah, okay, so a few theories as to where the name came from yeah. that I've heard over castle the years. Castle Danger. Castle Danger. There's never been a castle here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, danger, maybe. We'll get to that. Uh, but no castle. The castle name may have come from by how the cliffs look like a castle, especially at night. We were kinda... been, that would have been my guess. Yeah, that, that, that's the one that makes the most sense to me. Um, there is a shallow reef that runs along the shoreline here, and that's where the danger part comes in. Mm -hmm. So... You see those castle-like cliffs and you think, oh, danger if you're a fisherman or if you're in a boat because, you know, there's a shallow reef nearby and you need to kind of retreat away or else you're going to sink your boat. Um, another theory is that I saw mentioned was that the town was named after the Walter Scott novel called Castle Dangerous. But besides one reference to that online, I have not been able to find anything kind of suggesting that Castle Dangerous became the community of Castle Danger. I'm more inclined to believe the cliffs and the reef theory we'll go with that you're good at obtaining information so i'm i'm thinking that uh that's probably the it makes sense it makes the one that makes sense so castle danger is home of the rustic inn cafe the grand superior grill and then it now has a liquor store it used to have a secondhand kind of antique store and now it has a liquor store so if you're driving to this area something to keep in mind booze on up here in <laughs> castle danger once you stop safely for the night i mean you can buy your booze while you're still driving oh that's true we are at iona's beach scenic and natural area a little bit of background information so until Really recently, nobody knew about Iona's Beach. It was actually part of a private resort. It was called the Twin Points Resort, and it was run by John and Iona Lind. Mm. And when they decided to tear the resort down, I believe it was the late 90s, early 2000s, they gifted the land to the state of Minnesota under the condition that they made it public and made it a place where people could come and go. 
from that time until about 2001, they fixed it up. They put the parking lot in that we're sitting in right now. They installed the boat landing and they made the beach public. And that was when people started being able to go down to Iona's Beach because before then it was exclusive to the resort guests. And not a lot of people knew it. Even growing up, I did not know this was here. Okay. This will be my first time All right. going here. Finally. <laughs> I know, we're right? Even on the same level here. So the beach itself, it's 300 yards long and it's made up of, I'm going to mispronounce this terribly, pink rhyolite and felsite bedrock stones. I think you handled that quite well. Thank you. And they are very soft stones. So the lake over time has like smoothed them out, made them flat and they're round and flat rocks. So when the waves go over them and then the waves pull back, it makes this like trinkling noise. Hmm. And that's why it's called a musical beach. Okay. Well, and it's pink. It's the first time today that maybe this beautiful, calm day won't work in our favor. I know. But I guess we'll find out, though. I think there's enough of a breeze that we're going to get a little something. Okay. Well, um, one way to find out go down there and check it out for ourselves. Let's go do it. But uh, wait, you mentioned a resort, Jay. Yes. Um, any chance you think they left the swing set? <laughs> I must swing. <laughs> we're still on the hunt. We're halfway through episode two. And still. And still no swings. <laughs> so it's a, it's a bit of a, well, I mean, nothing that, you know, the average person couldn't easily walk to, certainly, but it's not right here immediately no. off. I mean, we've been walking this entire time and we're not, not quite there, but we're I can tell we're getting pretty close. Probably about halfway at this point. So, yeah. you know, a, a four minute stroll, maybe mm -hmm. five minute stroll. Yeah. Um, you do have the uh, Gitchigumi bike trail nearby. So mm -hmm. if you're on the bike kind of going through this part, you will go very, very close to the beach. So good time to hop off and do a little exploration. Okay. Well, okay. Well, we're coming right down to it here. Um, I guess let's check out the beach. All right. So, oh, there it is. You can see it. It's definitely pink. <laughs> good rock skipping day. Dude, this, <laughs> this is kind of treacherous. Oh. Tread carefully on yeah. this beach. Okay. Yep, there is no waves, so no... We won't hear the magical sound today. Not today. It's alright. I can imagine what it would be like. Well, here, there's a little bit. Here we go. We're gonna get right down in there. was not it. <laughs> the rocks move and kind of shift over themselves and that's what makes the... But you can I mean, even walking on these? Yeah, add in the, that sound to water sound. And you have, I mean, this is just a gorgeous beach, though. It is. I mean, Way cool. I thought the water is very clear and calm and nice and beautiful today. You'd almost think it was warm, but I know better. You'd almost want to jump in. <laughs> we are back in the car after our exploration of Iona's Beach. Good to be back. Should probably um, apologize a little bit for the sound quality. I'm sure there's there was a few people there and there was a, a family and mm -hmm. a few other things happening. Well, they so, were doing their thing, you know? Yeah. 
So I, I think we probably caught them a bit on the background. You know, I, we didn't get the sound I was going for. Hopefully we got something. You fell in the lake at one point almost. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, that's why I said I'm glad to be back. It's a beautiful spot, <laughs> don't get me wrong, um, but yes. Would have been a little cold today. Nice day, calm, but a little, little on the chilly side. Mm -hmm. uh, so next, we're actually gonna head back on the road here and we're gonna head to Split Rock Lighthouse. Mm, one of your favorites. One of my favorites. And from what you've mentioned earlier, so you've never been there. I'm about to be enlightened. I'm excited for this because it's not very often that I get to introduce somebody to, oh, I'm just kidding. That's a complete lie. Every time somebody I know comes up here, the you first don't. place <laughs> I bring up is Split Rock. So yeah. All right. I'm well, excited to show you it for the first time. I'm so excited to be there. Let's get back on the road and let's do it. Cool. So we're here at Split Rock Lighthouse, and in November of 1905, the Matafa storm sank or destroyed 29 ships and cost 36 fatalities on Lake Superior over the course of two days. So the Madeira is actually a barge that was being towed by the SS William Edinburgh. So the SS Edinburgh thought, oh shoot, you know, this is a terrible storm, we're going to crash, so it cut the Madeira loose. Luckily... It ran aground, well, it actually crashed into the split rock, the cliffs there. Mm -hmm. And what happened was every single crew member except for one was able to scramble off the side of the boat and climb up the side of the cliffs, where they then sat for about two days before they were able to be rescued. Mm. But the um, SS Edinburgh ran aground near the mouth of the split rock river, mm -hmm. where it then split in two, and yet somehow miraculously was salvaged and put back onto the lake, where it sailed for another... I don't know, like 40 years or something like wow. that. So this all happened in 1905. And that is when they identified the need for a lighthouse on the cliffs of Split Rock. Yeah. And that is why there is now Split Rock Lighthouse. All right, so we've gotten our wristbands and we are now in the museum. Wow, this place is awesome. It is dedicated to basically life um, in the area, but also to... It, it's a maritime museum. Let's just sum it up like that. Hmm. Jay, this is my first time in here. I think that's insane. Well, I've, I don't understand how you can live up here for as long as you have and never. I've always had to be going somewhere. It's nice to stop and, uh, you know, take the time and come and check it out because it's absolutely, I want to look at everything and spend a lot of time here right now. This was a very popular field trip destination for the Silver Bay schools, which I went to. So mm -hmm. I pretty much came here at least every year, but um, I have another connection here that you're about to oh okay discover look at this old fishing boat over oh, this here. map i want this to be the wall of my house yeah so this actually shows the shipwrecks on the north shore so uh, we have you know the benjamin noble right here just by knife river which we were just <laughs> at mm -hmm. the lafayette which the lafayette tunnel is named after yeah and then if you come towards Oh, that's a... Oh, it spins around. That's new. Cool. <laughs> if you come towards Split Rock, of course, you have the Madeira right here. Mm -hmm. And the Madeira, this is very interesting, and they're actually watching the video over there. Mm -hmm. You can still see it. In fact, on a clear day, you can see the remains of the Madeira. Jay, why have I never been here before? Because you're crazy. This is awesome. It's only thing I could think of. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that, yes. <laughs> so we have ships, and they just say, this is where we think it is, because it went missing, and they've just never found them. I mean, that's like superior for you. It's mm -hmm. not... You know, it's not your typical lake. You can lose an entire ship and yeah. never find it again. 
on Lake Superior. Amazing. This map is amazing. Um, oh, and this is also Iron another reason. So it, Compass. What this shows you is that the rocks on, or some of the cliffs on Lake Superior are actually magnetic. So the old-timey magnetic Whoa. compass. What the yeah. heck? Yeah. As it passes these magnetic rocks, it throws off the compass, so you don't realize actually what direction you're going in, which is why on a dark night, it is easy to go off course. Wow. Which, again, shows the importance of having a lighthouse, because a light you can see, even when your compass does that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that's, a, that's pretty wild. And then this one over here shows you that every lighthouse, it's actually, is this working? Oh, there it is. Every yep. lighthouse has a different flash. Huh. And so cool. as a sailor, you knew which flash was what. So um, Split Rock Lighthouse flashes white every 10 seconds. The Two Harbors Lighthouse would have a short flash, five second pause, and then another short flash, and then a 15 second pause. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Cool. cool. This is nice to see all broken down, put into... A really well-kept, clean area, and mm-hmm. yeah, just very nice. So this, I mean, it's a visitor center and a museum. It was renovated, I want to say, late 90s, I think. They do have a movie theater, but it's already started. So I think we're just going to head out and head up to the lighthouse. So there are guided tours. I think they run about every 20 minutes on the weekends. Mm-hmm. So if you want to have a guide tell you what you're seeing and looking at, you can go on a guided tour, or you can go on a self-guided tour and just walk around. There is a fee to access the actual lighthouse area during the day, but actually after six o'clock, you can come back here. They close up, but they leave the doors open to get back here. There's no guided tours. The buildings are closed, but you can still walk around and kind of see everything. And that's a great time to come back to get pictures if you want a specific picture without other people in it, or do what we did today, Come on a Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm Leanne Buell, and I'm a tour guide interpreter for, at Split Rock Lighthouse. And you are also? I'm also Jay's mom. All right. Cool. <laughs> um, have you mentioned anything about the lake? How calm and lovely it is? How calm and lovely it is right today. Now. <laughs> but it's not always that calm and lovely. Uh, Split Rock Lighthouse was actually put at this spot because it is the most dangerous shoreline on Lake Superior. Wow. Part of the reason is the cliffs, and also it's a bit deeper. Hmm. I mean, you don't go very far out here, um, not even 800 feet, and it's already 400 feet, hmm. and which was very misleading. It's very clear today, so the, the mariners on the boats would have no trouble seeing anything today, or not seeing anything. But boy, that lake out there, the storms can get very violent and very wild, and we get lots of heavy snow and heavy fog out there, and that causes the disability to be a problem. And when the boats were using compasses to determine their direction, they'd be in amongst this area, their compasses would be off, and they would have no idea that they were coming close to shoreline. And one of the things that they would try to do is use a depth finder to determine if they're getting close, which the only thing they would go by is as it got shallower, they knew they were getting close to the shore. But it doesn't do that here. It stayed deep. So that didn't even help them. And before they knew it, they'd be in amongst the cliffs here 
and in a lot of danger. Hmm. There had been a series of storms, but that storm of the 30-some boats that were sunk off the lake, a good four or five of them were up and down the shoreline. Hmm. And on that one day, it was like the straw that broke the camel's back. Mm -hmm. When they uh, put this lighthouse here, why did it take so long if it was seemingly such an essential place like what part of the reason part of the reason is it was not a necessary spot for many many years because iron ore had not been discovered yet and up until that time the boats were mainly carrying wheat Mm. and products like that Mm -hmm. and our lake is tends to be higher than the other lakes and it was very difficult to get a boat in this area and they discovered iron ore, and that changed everything because they built the two harbors port. They built that for the iron ore, and then they couldn't handle it all. I mean, at that point, all of a sudden, they built the locks so that they could bring the water up to the level and bring the boats on the lake real easy. Yeah. And at that point, there would be 20 to 30 boats out on that lake instead of two or three. Mm-hmm. They were trying to save money, so the boats were overloaded and underpowered. And, yeah. and that's when the boats started having problems, okay. the, the sinkage. And that's when Split Rock became so necessary. that's when they decided it has to be done. So the boat owners deciding they needed this light station started to petition Congress to build the lighthouse. And they actually decided that building was a necessary thing, commissioned $75,000. And building began in 1909. So $75,000 right. paid for everything every that you see here. Wow. With $2,000 left over. Oh, there's good budgeting wow. for you. <laughs> the first thing they had to figure out is how to bring the supplies and materials to the site here. And that the first means of bringing the supplies was a hoist in Derrick. And the hoist was an engine which is now in the museum at the visitor center here. And the derrick was a, looked like a crane, stood at the top of the cliff, would reach down the shore of the lake, and all the supplies had to be brought in by a supply boat, and that boat would then unload the supplies onto the flat bed of the derrick, and the hoist, the engine, would bring the supplies to the top of the cliff here. And everything was brought that way until it blew down in 1916. And then they used the tram. The tram was a track mm-hmm. with a small cart. And that was used until 1934 when they finally, after Highway International 1, we now know it as Highway 61, was built. And then they had a supply truck. And that changed everything because until that time period, everything coming by way of the boats off the lake, they relied on a supply boat to bring all the fuel that they needed to operate the light station. And what about food for the workers? They didn't, um, they had a, a big problem with food. They couldn't have gardening here because there was a lot of rock. The nearest grocery store was Beaver Bay, which is not very far away, but by lake, it was very dangerous and you could never rely on that lake to get your food. So most of their food was dried and canned and salted. So with dried beans, peas, lentils, rice, they had a lot of soups and stews. Mm. One of the things that they would do, there was no ice box, and when you go in the house, you'll see that, and that's what would have been used, no electricity. Uh, with no ice box, their meat that they would get, they would have to salt. And a lot of times, they would hunt, even out of season. And one time, the game warden, Mr. Tabor, 
had heard that they were doing that and he came on he was talking to one of the head keepers here Frank yeah uh, Frank uh, Koval and he was dressing a deer at the time in fact <laughs> Mr. Tabor was sitting on the barrel that he was working on and he was invited to dinner and the whole family was really nervous because they knew they were having moose and after dinner, Mr. Tabor said it was the best roast beef they ever had. <laughs> so it was an understanding that they had. Mm -hmm. This light station had three keepers working here. It was a very isolated, very remote station. So what they wanted to do to maintain those keepers year after year to keep the lighthouse running smoothly, they built them each a home. And all three of these homes were built exactly identical right down to the paint on the walls. And as I mentioned, they were very modern homes. These homes had running water and an indoor bathroom. Hmm. And if you ask any of the children, they would have told you, the children of the keepers, it was a lot like living in one of those nice hotels in Minneapolis <laughs> because the homes were so fine. Hmm. So what about when um, Lee and his family would live here? Lee Radzak, who retired in 2019 I think right he just retired just, in April, just retired right? in April and and what was his role because does the lighthouse still function it was not a functioning lighthouse for the boats out on the lake it still was an operating lighthouse which means that the mechanism to turn that lens was still in place a lens still in place but everything that it did was for tourism mm -hmm. and so Lee's role was to work for the with the tourism yeah. mm -hmm. he's the one that brought everything that you see here back to the late 20s he's the one that brought in the tour guides and the costume guides mm -hmm. and he is also the one when the light was lit he's the one that lights it and so, will that will that continue this this role oh yeah someone else we have someone there? else right now that has taken over that role yeah that's a pretty coveted job seems like a <laughs> A depressing yeah. job, but a pretty cool one. It's it's a very good job if you can, you know, stand the crowd of people because he lives in one of the houses. Oh, yeah. It's kind and of a double-edged sword. It part is of the year, a double-edged sword. really busy, and the mm -hmm. other part of the year, it's really isolated. Yeah. I'd be into that job. <laughs> Should have gone for it. Dang it. <laughs> Come on, Joe. Sometimes you, you feel like you're living on a fishbowl, though, because nothing is private. It's mm. That mm. part of it is kind of out of the picture while we're at our busiest time of the year. And we dress up. The keepers dress up as keepers, and they're the ones that that lens is still turning, so they have to crank the weights up just like the original keepers had to do to keep the lens turning. And mm. Sweet. What an interesting existence. So the kids that grew up here, um, did they go to school somewhere? How that was part of the reason they weren't here all year long, because there was no access to schools. So the keepers had a season. It would start about mid-April and run till um, mid-December. But they would not have their families here till school is out. Mm -hmm. So these were summer homes for the children. Okay. And they always loved it. They said there was always things to do, boat rides, yeah. boat contests. They'd make boats and play down by the woods and the tram. And That's the best education there is. Yeah, <laughs> it sure is. They lo just loved it. They didn't know what it was like not to be outside. Mm -hmm. I mean, hmm. They helped out, of course, helped their father when they could. But... And then they'd have to go back to school, and they went back to school with bragging rights because they said their summer home had That's that bathroom. indoor bathroom. Yeah, wow. <laughs> awesome. All right, want to go check out the house? Yeah. That guy thought it was cool. Yeah, 
Wow, check out that wood stove. That thing is spectacular. And now is that the original one that was in here when they were... No. No, it's not. This one's from 1917. Similar to what they had here. The one they had here had a warming oven, um, and it was green. It didn't have a lot of reservoir, but it was about the same color as the walls. Oh, nice. But when this site was... Well, when the lighthouse was decommissioned, there was electricity here. Yeah. And so everything had been more modernized. All right. What you making over here? I'm going to bake these uh, molasses oatmeal cookies once we get the oven warm enough. Wow. So if you're here at just the right time, I'll have okay. cookies for you. Well, right. I'll, I should make sure that I'm here at the right time. Maybe yeah. you'll smell them. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's that's cool. Thanks. Traveling libraries? I never heard of such a thing. Oh, that's coming up. So this is, we're now in the office area. Gosh, it smells so good everywhere you go around here. Wood stoves burning and just like a nice old house by Lake Superior that's been maintained. I love the creek floor as we walk. You'll probably, I don't know if the, the recording will pick this up, but it's, oh, there it is. Yes. Oh. That's not the traveling library. <laughs> that is the traveling library. Wow. So it comes in on this box. As you can see, they can hold it on the sides oh, there. Sure. And Travel then, and library. I wonder if you could put in requests or it was like, probably just whatever. Here's what you get. I, you know, they probably had them pre packed together and then they just sent them around. And this is also really cool. This is an Edison music ma machine. And mm. up until recently, they actually used to be able to play this. Mm. Something happened to it a few years ago and it ended, but um, it was this somewhat interesting song about cows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All songs about cows are interesting <laughs> on some level. I'll have to see if my mom can remember the lyrics because it was definitely, it, it was one of those questionable songs that you're like, how did, oh, mom, yes. what was the uh, lyrics to the cow song? The cow song. On the Edison. Oh my goodness. It's been a long time. Do you know the lyrics of the cow song? I don't know. Something cows. about the cows go in, the cows, cows come out. Come out. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. I, know that I love that song. And then something terrible happens to the cows oh. at the end. That's all I remember. <laughs> I remember it too, but I cannot. It's been a while that. since yeah. we've been able to play the Amberola. So, so do you yeah. want to go stay? Oh, yeah. Some? Let's head on up. All right, cool. So, uh,. What would the the families would actually live right in here, huh? Yeah, this was this was where they lived, and this was um, I believe this was the head lighthousekeeper's house. So the assistants had the two further back houses, and this was and um, you know the main guy. Cloth and this is bathtub. yeah, cloth. We're in the bathroom now. There is a cloth with bathtub, and that is the first flush toilets. Hmm. And on the toilet seat, you will see what they used for toilet paper. It would, it would work, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, this was, you know, like, like my mom said, this was a luxury to be had in 1919, 20-ish. Mm. That's spectacular. This would be the best place ever to be a kid. Right? Yes. It's like being at summer camp all by yourself. I love it. Uh, these are the kids' bedrooms. A lot of this stuff is original to that time. Yeah. And they're big bedrooms. You know, and these are these are tallish ceilings. I mean, these are not, this is not a small house. This is, uh, I just want to hang out in here for like a week. I want to live here for a week. They should totally turn one of those other houses into a bed and breakfast. 
Vacation she, rental. She planted that seed. <laughs> and that's the house. I love this house. <laughs> Look at that view. Yeah. Like that was your, I mean, they didn't have fences up, obviously, back wow. then. No, and actually that was a situation where uh, children, there was a rule for the children. There's a magical white line by the sidewalk that the children couldn't go past. And part of the reason is because of the drop to the lake there wasn't protected by that fence. Also because one of the keepers would be sleeping. Mm -hmm. But the real big reason is one of the keeper's toddlers actually fell down that cliff and landed on a bush. And what saved him was his cries and the keepers got saved him before he was yeah. killed. <laughs> yeah, sure. And uh, I met him uh, when I was here for a couple of years I met him as an older gentleman and he was showing me the scars and I said well what were you doing he said why chasing snakes of course what else do you do around here yeah oh my but goodness the children spent most of their time down by the woods and the tramp and then then uh, this will be my end of the the tour well thanks well, for thank showing us around <laughs> this is awesome this uh, was a workstation here the cleaning room and of course, when they're burning a kerosene ladder, they had to do a lot of cleaning. That's why all the glazed brick are in here to clean. And then you'll be going to the waiting room. Cuckoo clock action, you know. Uh -huh. That's what's turning the original lens right now. And this same set of gears that they used in 1910, we're still using that original equipment. Wow. And people tell me it's going very quietly at that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, excellent. So, All right. Fantastic. Well, right. Let's, let's check it out. Oh, All right. Good. Yeah, thank you. Okay. This is, uh, are these the original stairs? These are in everything. And they would light it by walking up there and lighting it, and it would burn and these are the mechanics of it that keep it rotating. Jeez. On a busy summer day, basically what happens is you come up the stairs and you rotate around and there's people and you're all rotating around the light, uh -huh. waiting to go back down the stairs. Uh -huh. um, so it, it's, it's nice to visit it when it's quiet. Yeah, 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 sure. <laughs> we are up looking down on the Lake Superior. You can see way out there and way down into the lake too because it's so clear and then from this window over here you can see the houses as well as those cliffs that are just i mean you know it's just a straight drop down yeah it is amazing <laughs> this is like a must stop i can't believe you've never been here it's kind of sad <laughs> <laughs> look what you've been missing out on this yeah, whole time <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm glad to be here that's I, I will say it is, I like having those stories to tell of my childhood of being here a lot and being able to come here and it does have a, it's a place that's different than most other places you can visit. So, mm -hmm. yeah. like you said, it has a feel. It does have a feel. This is great. I'm glad that you uh, took me here, Jay. Alright. Okay. Well. Back down the stairs. Back down we'll, the stairs. We'll time it right. <laughs> We 
are getting close to Beaver Bay now, so I know, right? Okay, There's cool. There's food coming up. Hey, all right. And maybe a swing set. We'll see. Yes. <laughs> Beaver Bay, really quick, was established in 1856, so it is one of the oldest communities on the North Shore. In fact, it is the oldest still existing settlement on the North Shore hmm. with a population of a whopping 175. Okay, small town. Clearly yeah. a bustling well. center. It got its name from the Beaver River, which is nearby, and then obviously the bay that joins the Beaver River with Lake Superior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a couple of fun things in this town that we're going to swing into and see, and I think we're going to start with Camp 61, grab a bite to eat, and maybe find a... I see one over there, Jay. Jay, Jay, right there. Oh, hey, swing sets. It's it, it's Ooh. fenced in a little bit. Um, it's kind of a smaller looking. Okay, so it, it might okay. not be <laughs> Hold the on, let me one. pull in here. Okay, I, so I don't know if this is the one, Jay. I got it's. We it's, we need to change it to a public swing set. There we go. Okay, so this is there is a swing set right here. I'm looking right at it, but it is in front of a church. It is fenced off. I actually don't even see how you would get in here. Mm. Maybe there's a gate over there. But I don't think we're there yet. I think we, we need, a, like you said, a public park that anybody can go to at any time okay. and enjoy. So right. we did find a swing, but it is not the swing. Also, it looks like you could break that one. We yeah. need a bigger swing. We need and a you, swing where you can really swing. Yeah, if I'm going <laughs> to do it, I want to go all in and be pumping my legs and get the whole experience. Yep. Okay. Um, well, since we've stopped, maybe we could grab a bite to eat here. Yep, so here we are. We are at Camp 61, which is right here in the beautiful, bustling metropolis of <laughs> Beaver Bay. Actually, yeah, I say I, I say that sarcastically. There are a lot of cars driving through right now. It is yeah. a busy day on the North Shore. So let's go in and grab a bite to eat. Sounds good. Just Jay here. You'll probably notice episode two ends quite abruptly, and I figured I should probably explain why. We had planned to go to the Beaver Bay Agate Shop on our way out of town, and we were unable to get there. We sort of ran out of time, and primarily that happened because I ended up losing my cell phone at Iona's Beach. I hadn't noticed it had fallen out of my pocket, and by the time I had, we were sitting down at Camp 61 and ordering food, and basically, you know, the panic sets in, like you forgot your phone. I actually have two cell phones and it was my personal phone that I had dropped. So I didn't notice right away that I didn't have it. Hence why I had made it all the way to Split Rock Lighthouse and did all of that before I noticed I don't have my cell phone anymore. I doubled back to Iona's beach and walked the entire length. But by the time I got there, it had already been picked up. However, I was luckily able to track it to uh, Cove Point Lodge in Beaver Bay where a gentleman named Mr. Wilkinson had picked it up and he had found it at Iona's Beach and brought it back there for me. And they were able to actually track me down by a card in there for my son's doctor's appointment. So anyway, long story short, I was able to get my phone back. But by the time that happened, we were running really, really, really tight on time and had to get heading out. In the frenzy of trying to find my cell phone, I did get to eat that chicken sandwich I ordered from Camp 61 and it was delicious. Joe said he also really enjoyed his meal there. So Camp 61 is a great place to stop and grab a bite to eat if you are passing through the Beaver Bay area. We were also, of course, going to be going to the Beaver Bay Agate Shop and missed out on that 
but I did want to add that if you're passing through and you are really interested in the area geology and you kind of like the rocks and the agates and the gemstones, take a stop in there. They have a wide variety of uh, stuff for sale, like everything from agates to gemstones and jewelry, and they even have a little museum. So it's definitely worth a stop if you're passing through Beaver Bay or if you're staying in Beaver Bay. So that is the end of episode two, and we will be back next week with episode three, which will complete our the first part of our North Shore road trip where we go from Duluth to Grand Marais. So this section will take us from just outside of Silver Bay up to Grand Marais. We'll see you again next week. Bye. Bye.